0: Good morning, friends, family, everyone that's uh, with us today or later on in this week uh, hearing this message. I am so uh, excited to share with you just the Word of God. It's never a dull moment to open up the Word of God as we open it up. It opens up our hearts, our souls, and it speaks to us. And I believe this morning would be no different as we continue in our Reality Check series. This is the second last week of an incredible journey through the letter to, to the Colossians, and the last week will be our final moment. And I want to keep encouraging you to, to stay connected, stay committed to this journey, and also stay reading. If you haven't started the reading plan or you might, might somewhere along the way dropped out of that, pick it up again on version, our Reality Check reading plan. We're hearing great testimonies of God working in people's lives through it. Um, so this morning we're going to continue um, in our next section of the letter. And um, I'm going to start reading straight off the bat. And then out of that... I will take us through the message. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you're welcome to open up in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 9, and we're going to read through into chapter 4, verse 2. And you can also follow on screen as I take us through the reading. So let's read the Word of God together. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart towards God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged." Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in thanksgiving. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray as we open up these incredible practical things of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, that you would stop at every heart and, and speak to every one of us individually on where you want us and our lives to to put off the old and put on the new. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make the word alive to us, that you would be the one who anoints your word. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the preacher in our midst to speak into your body today and helping us set our lives on better things, on the things that are above. So we just bring this time to you in submission and we say, Lord, we are ready to hear you speak. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. I want to start with a question, and uh, this is an interesting one because there's literally two camps on this question. So the question is, who of you enjoy dress-up parties? So now I know what's going to happen in the homes and the spaces that you are in. There's the one side of people who absolutely love it, and there's not a birthday that passes without some creative dress-up output. And then there's the other side of the camp, which I enjoy putting myself in, where I'm just like... You know what, it's fun enough to be with my friends. My friends are fun enough. I don't need to add more fun <laughs> to the friendship. So I'm happy with just dressing the way I'd like to. But over the years, we've been invited to multiple dress-up parties, um, like an Oh My Hat party, putting on a funny hat. Um, and then some people think it's funny to just wear the hat they always wear. But there's the Oh My Hat parties. And then I've, we've been to a Star Wars theme party, and Helena and I were, complimented that night, and actually won a prize for being best dressed. I was covered in hair, like one of the things that you find on Star Wars. Clearly, I don't know Star Wars, so I won't be able to tell you what I was looking like. But like one of those beasts in Star Wars with the hair, and I can't quite remember what I was looking like because there was hair all over my eyes, so I didn't quite see my wife. But we we were winning that night with the Star Wars theme, and we've been to multiple Gatsby parties, having to dress like the Gatsby age and get my hair all flat with, with bro cream and you know, looking dapper and all those kind of things, and being invited to a barn dance party. Um, Any one of you can say amen to that. And that's just to name a few. But then I think, I think the dress up party theme of all themes is are you ready for this? It's this theme, guys. Okay. The 80s theme. All right, I see some dance moves going around in the house, it's happening. We're out there. I can do the worm, but you guys won't be able to see it. But the 80s theme seems to trump any other possible theme out there. Now, although I'm born in the 80s, I just don't get the music. I've really tried to, but I think 80s music are purely there for giving people a ticket to wear spandex and uh, and. very brightly colored uh, stockings. I think that's the only reason 80s (laughs) dress-up parties exist. But for some reason, that's the chosen one. It's the flavor of the season. If you haven't been invited to an 80s party yet, say, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, and don't think that you've missed out (laughs) in any way. I just needed to get a little jab in there. So if you're ever invited to one of my dress-up parties, don't worry, it won't be 80s. But you know what I love about the dress-up parties is that it actually reveals something about people that we don't know they come and they dress up and they show another side of them that is a little bit uh, unique and a little bit different. Eliana and I were debating whether I should put up some pictures of some of our dress up moments but we decided that some of them might be a little bit dubious especially in our young years as students so we said rather not. Uh, let's keep the focus on Jesus. But dress up parties allows people to say hey I- I'm just going to do something a little bit different. So although I don't host dress-up parties. I actually enjoy them because it shows something of the personalities of people that come out in amidst the theme that they've got to choose. Unlike the daily walking around our world and and most people's clothes kind of look the same and and there's the Instagram trends that people follow and and that's the way people dress. Dress Dress-up parties shows a little bit of a different side. And this section that we just read is Paul speaking really in a metaphorical form about the way that we are dressed, the way that we are clothed as followers of Jesus. And he puts a reality check into our world on, are we representing Christ, the ultimate theme of themes, well, in this world? Are we dressed in such a way through our life actions that people can say, "Wow, that looks like someone who follows Jesus. So this morning I'm going to title my message, Robed Reality that we are clothed in a certain way because of what Christ has done, but then we remain so in the way that we walk. That's really where we're going to go this morning. He's deeply practical about what it looks like to represent Christ and this new reality of being found in Christ and how we should dress our lives, our daily lives, to be in theme to what Jesus has called us. So to really help us, I want to go back to one of the verses We read last week when Anthony was sharing, and it says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's just look at that first section. You have died. Last time I thought about the concept of death, death means that something stopped, there's an end, it is over. And that's what Paul writes. He says, once you come to Jesus and this glorious gospel, and you receive that There's an end to the way that you dress, to the way that you were before, to your old nature. It is dead. It is gone. It is over. You are now a new creation. But then he takes it a little bit further. He says, and now the life that you live is hidden with Christ in God. We've had multiple moments preaching into this over the years. One of our messages that we love preaching is in Christ Jesus, that position of who we are now in Christ Jesus. And then again, he says, your life is with Christ Jesus, hidden in God. And if you look at the word hidden there in the original language, it literally means to be covered or concealed, which means that there's a robing, a covering, something that comes over us now in this new nature. It echoes Isaiah 61, where Isaiah prophesied, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. It's amazing how Isaiah says, and he paints this picture of a bridegroom and bride, perfectly dressed, and he says, That is how God our Father comes, and he puts garments of salvation over us. He clothes us, he covers us, and we are hidden in that position. I want you to take a moment to look around the room if you are with other people. If you're by yourself, take a look in the mirror. I, I, I shudder to think how many pajama parties are happening at the moment. <laughs> but at some point today, you are going to dress, hopefully, a little bit better. Get your hair straightened out and get ready for the day. And, and Paul uses this idea of being clothed. And it brings to us this image that once you are now in Christ Jesus, your old is gone, but you look completely different. You are robed with righteousness. The king has come and he has clothed you with a whole new identity. And just like Isaiah prophesied, you are now the benefactors, the recipients of this gospel message that you are completely new in Jesus. This is the nature of God to do. This is what God does. He comes into our lives. And when we start following him, make him Lord of our lives, we are clothed completely differently. Our sin, our brokenness, the filthy rags that we wear, he comes and he conceals it. He comes and he covers it. He comes and he puts a robe of righteousness over us. The image of a king stepping down into the the world of a normal peasant. And he says, I'm clothing you with the most beautiful royal robe. That's the heart of the Father to watch each one of us. If you had to be in the king's palace and you were placed upon you, that royal robe, and you concealed and hidden in it, the moment you walk from that palace into the world, you will look differently and be seen differently. And that is exactly what Christ has done for us. And Paul uses this image of being robed to to get real practical. He says, this gospel that I've been sharing with you has brought you a new identity. You are covered in it. You are clothed in it. You are robed in it. But then Paul says, now you better live in it. And then we see in the text that he talks about it three times about putting off or actually saying getting stripped from things of this world. And then three times he says, clothe yourself or put on the godly things. He says, put to death what is earthly in verse five. He says, put them all away. And he speaks about anger, wrath, malice, slander. And then he says in verse 9, put off the old self. And then he says, put on the new self in verse 9 again. Put then on as God's chosen and holy ones, humility, compassion, and holiness. And then he says in verse 14, put on love. We see this world of three put-offs and three put-ons. And here's the the message that Paul is getting to us. He says, you have been beautifully adorned by His grace, and we stay so embellished by our ways. The way that God has come and and, and adorned us with grace is His doing. But then the way we continue to live in that clothed with His royal righteousness is completely dependent upon us. We've got to choose to say no to the old, no to the earthly things, no to the old self, and say yes, yes. The things that God has chosen. I think about Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, or maybe rather the prodigal father who was so in, 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 in anguish because he wanted to reach out with his son with love. And then we see the image of how the son has put off the clothes of what it is to be in his father's house and he's put on the filthy garments of the world. But then that beautiful image when when the son and the father saw one another from afar and started running towards one another, the father exclaimed and he said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. That's always the heart of our father. It's to come into our world and says, I've got something better for you to wear. My theme to dress accordingly in, in the kingdom is one of humility, compassion, kindness, holiness, set apartness, your old self doesn't have to exist. Your brokenness, your sin, your failures, I come and I hide that. I conceal that. Come and rest in that. And again, that, this is the invitation for all of us. So Paul speaks about the putting off and the putting on. But then he helps us in, in, in the matter of the heart and, and how we do this. And twice in the passage we read this morning, he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. He speaks to the condition of our heart, and he says, you know how you keep putting off the old self and put on the new self? He says, it's a matter of the heart. It's, it's seeing all of life as worship. Whatever you do, whenever you work, whatever words you speak, whatever actions you take, see that as worship. See that as an opportunity to give praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it really speaks about the idea of lordship, about Jesus sitting on the throne of our hearts and us saying, Lord, we want to live lives that bring glory and honor to your name. Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It's no longer I who live, I've been made dead in my old ways, but now I'm hidden with Christ, concealed with him in God. Isn't that a, a story of hope this morning? Isn't that a picture of hope that doesn't matter what we felt, we looked like up until this point, that the Father says, I want to robe you in a whole new reality. And that's the message of the gospel once again. Throughout this letter, the gospel just starts coming our way every single Sunday. I love it. Again, there's an opportunity for us this morning to align to that. So Paul says, Yes, what I want you to do is, everything you do in life, see it as an opportunity for worship. See it as an opportunity to keep Christ in His rightful place, seated on the throne of your heart, See it as an opportunity to align again in the value of lordship, that he is Lord overall. And that's where we started this year. That's where we started this series. Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then Paul continues and he goes real practical. He speaks about four areas of life and how we ought to live in these four areas. He speaks about four spaces of relationships and When when you think about it, these are the four central areas in life that every human being spends most of their time on. He speaks about the area of humanity, just what it is to live with other humans. Then he speaks about the area of community, that place where you find your people, your tribe, the ones that walk this life with you. He speaks about the the area of family. And then lastly, he speaks about our workplace and how we ought to live there. But then... In each four of these, he brings into clear view again the idea that he is Lord over all four of these areas. And as the followers of Jesus, who died to self and who's putting on the new self, we've got to live in these four areas in a way that declares him Lord. The I has died, the eye is dead, but he has come. Christ is increasing, therefore I must decrease. So let's go through these four areas and We're actually just going to read the scriptures again and see what he speaks into each one of these. But the first one is that Christ is Lord over humanity. Chapter 3, verse 8 says, Christ is all and in all. And the verse just before that, he speaks about how we are growing in the likeness of our Creator. But then he says this, because the old is gone and the gospel has now come, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. What he is trying to share with us, and we find it in these other epistles as well, is this idea that once you have been hidden and concealed in Christ, your first and foremost and ultimate identity is Christ Jesus. And yet we live in this world where there's identity wars all the time. I am a white South African male who loves Jesus. No, I love Jesus. And just so, by the way, I am a white South African male. You see this switch the transition? He says, once you've come into this new, this new self, the old self would want to come in and bring all these wars to identity and I'm like this and you're like that and, and set us up for disaster and, and difficult days. But he says, no, not so in Jesus. When you are in Jesus, you are all in all the same. John 4 teaches us this in a a magnanimous way in that the human tendency is that we always want to polarize. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and the first thing she does is she polarizes. She says, I'm a woman and you're a man. Why are we even speaking to one another? Then she says, I'm a Samaritan and, and you're a Jew. Why are we even speaking to one another? You see, immediate polarization. Because of the political world and the socio-economical world that she was in, she wanted to bring this boundary between people. But Jesus steps right into that and he says, "It doesn't matter. What matters is that you are about to drink from the water of life. She even takes it into worship. She says, your people say we should worship like this. And my father says I should worship like this. Who's correct? And Jesus just equalizes it and he says, you know who's correct? The one who worships in spirit and in truth. So if he's Lord over all humanity, do we look at those who are different to us in the same way that we look at ourselves and those that are a little bit more like us? And Paul says, you are new. That's the old way to try and bring these differences. It's the, it's the strategy of the enemy to bring and enforce the ideas of racism, of hatred, of pain of past, of history upon us so that we once again polarize but in Christ Jesus we cannot do that because we are the same in Him. When we are all wearing the Father's robes, why are we throwing mud at one another? If we are all clothed the same in Christ Jesus, how dare we take up a piece of mud and throw it at another because then we're just staining the clothes that the Father has robed each one of us in. Christ is in all, and we've got to live like that. He is Lord over humanity. And then Paul takes it a little bit closer. He says, not only that, but he is Lord over all community. And he speaks about being God's chosen ones in verse 12. And then he gets really direct. He says, so put off the old self and then put this on. Compassion, humility, When you are in a conversation with someone, are you choosing humility or pride? Do you want to have the upper hand in your conversations and be correct? Or are you teachable and able to learn? Then he says, there's got to be kindness and patience. Patiently bearing with one another. Don't grumble against one another. James says this in a very direct way. Do not grumble against another, for behold, the judge is standing at the door. Meaning that Christ is about to return and it's definitely so far away from Christ intent for his people to grumble against one another. And then he says, When the one that has complained against another, yes, what you have to do? Forgive. Yes, but you don't forgive. No, but you forgive. Why do we forgive? Because we were forgiven. Because we are robed and we are concealed and hidden in Christ. So if that is my reality, who am I to take that reality away from a brother or a sister? Who am I to throw mud at their direction and say, you have totally offended me and I'm never going to forgive you. Just like the Lord has forgiven you and clothed you in righteousness, we ought to encourage one another in them being clothed after the image of their Father. Forgiveness is a tough one because it goes to our hearts and straight to our hearts. And he says, this is how you do this. Above all things, put on love. If you are covered in love, and if you are covered in in that identity, then the the word of Christ will dwell richly in you, and you'll be able to teach and admonish one another in wisdom. And there will be moments of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and there will just be an, an amazing moment of thankfulness unto God. He is Lord over this community as a spiritual family. He is Lord over the spiritual family of Christianity and us as the body together. Let's forgive. Let's be patient. Let's be kind. Let's bear with one another and don't grumble. Oh, my goodness, have I heard a lot of grumbling over the past few weeks against brothers and sisters in Christ? Have I been tempted to? Yes, I have. It's not the way of Jesus. That's saying, Lord Jesus, I'm going to strip myself of the robe that you've put on me, and I'm rather going to wear the filthy garment of grumbling again. Let's be a forgiving people. Let's be reminded that Christ has forgiven me. Therefore, who am I to withhold that from anyone else? And then he says, there's humanity and the big idea that in God's eyes, every ethnicity, person, tribe, and tongue are exactly the same. He says, then there's your community, your greatest sphere of influence, your tribe. But then he goes even a little bit closer. He speaks about Lord being Lord over our families. And he says this in, in the verses, as is fitting in the Lord. Again, he is Lord over families. And the way we lead our families and live as a family nucleus together is understanding that he is the Lord over that family and no person within that family is, it is Christ Jesus. Again, he goes practical. Wives, submit to your husbands. This is fitting in the Lord. I'm just going to read that again and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Wives, submit to your husbands. This is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I don't have to expound on these. It is clearly written there for us. Children, I know the kids might be next door. Maybe they're back by now. But children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord, not just in some things, not just in the things that you agree on. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And in fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Speaks about all the relationships within family. Wives, submit to your husbands as they head over the house. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. This means that even if your wife is in the wrong, that you would still be the first one to reach out and love and say, I'm sorry for what I have done in the relationship. It says that that when a wife and husband, I think it's in the the letter of Peter, a wife and husband are at odds with one another, if the husband doesn't come with, with, with his own sorry, saying that the Lord closes his ears to the husband's prayer because he wants to model something about Jesus laying down his life for his church in the same way husbands have to lay down their lives for their wives. Children, honor your parents. Then you will have a long and blessed life, the promise says. And fathers, the way that you discipline your children, do not do in a way that provokes them and discourages discourage them. Lord over mankind, Lord over community, Lord over family. And then he goes down to the very last one, the direct relationship between servants and masters, bosses and those who work for them. He is Lord over our working. He is Lord over our workplaces. And he speaks to both. He doesn't just speak to those who are the workers. He also speaks to the master saying, Remember in how you treat your people that you have a master in heaven. And that master is a gracious, compassionate, kind and loving one who is clothed and robed you in righteousness. He speaks to those who are working saying, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by the way of eye service, As people-pleasers, sitting in front of the computer and acting all busy, but you know that you're not doing the work that you ought to do. I don't want to get too practical, but he says why we do this. He says, because you are fearing the Lord, because of your reverence unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and because you have been clothed in this new beautiful identity of heaven. Live like that wherever you work, knowing that you will receive from the Lord the full inheritance as a reward. And then he says, masters, treat your bondservants, those who work for you. If you are in the blessed position of leading a team of people as your employees, do so justly and fairly. It breaks my heart to see the injustice that happens in the segregation in our community, of how unjust some people treat one another who work for them, of how there's things that we sometimes think we, we, we deserve as, as the, the employers of people that they do not deserve. Justice, justice and fairly means that we treat one another the same because all in Christ is the same as we read before. So unlike a dress-up party, we are at all times to be clothed in the Lord's royal robes. That's He's doing. He has come to each one of us and He has put it upon us. And we have the choice every day to either take it off or to keep it on. And we've gotta live in this world representing our king and his kingdom, so we have to live saying, God, we're gonna wear our best. When we think about other people in the world, when we think about our community, we're gonna forgive, we're gonna be long suffering with one another, we're not gonna grumble, we're gonna be patient and kind with one another. In families, Lord, we will live family in the, the way that you have given it to us, as wives, as husbands, as children, as fathers. And then, Lord, wherever we work, we will work walking into our workspace like the king's, the king's representative, wearing the royal robes that he has placed upon us and worshiping him through everything we do in word and in deed. We will put off and strip ourselves of that which is wrong, and we will put on that which is good. Right at the end of the story of the Bible, the very last chapter, Revelation 22 It speaks about our robes again. And it says this, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right into the tree of life. And here's the key to us this morning. You know how we wash our robes? Simply going back to the place where the gospel is speaking to our hearts again. And we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my ways. I want to be concealed. I want to be hidden with you in God. And here's what I want to leave you with this morning as a final thought. We just read out of Revelation 22 that blessed are those who who walk in the kingdom robe that Christ has put upon us. Because when he comes, he's going to say, come into eternity with me. Your name is written in the book of life. But you know, beyond that, revelation, oh, sorry, Colossians 3 verse 4 also said this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Even in our best dressed moments, representing the kingdom in this world, it is still so far away from the way we're going to look when we are with him in eternity. But here's the thing in this world, we get to represent some of that to the world around us. So, every nation in Somerset West, I want to say to you this morning that you are concealed with Christ in God. You are covered. He has placed your robe upon you. Now go and live like that. Lift your countenance. Let joy be upon your lips. Be faithful. Be, be strong in the Lord. Have zeal and fervor and passion. him and his kingdom let him minister through you let the way you live and interact with others be an example that you are representing heaven that you are representing our king and that there is a glory coming our way that is unmatched in any way that we've ever seen before that is the call this morning to each one of us i'm going to moment take a moment and pray for us and i really want this to be a moment of reflective prayer maybe you're signing in this morning and you just feel like the way that you are clothed are filthy rags? You are dressed in your brokenness. You are dressed in your sin. You are dressed in your unbelief. And some of this message has put a desire in your heart say, I want to be clothed and robes in the righteousness of salvation, as was said in Isaiah 61. If that's you this morning, we're going to pray with you to accept Christ Jesus and this message of hope this morning that He wants to come and conceal you in God. And then secondly, I want all of us to take a moment and reflect and say, Lord, is there any way that I might have cut off the arm from the garment that you have wrote me and said, Lord, I'll do all these things well, but don't expect me to, to work in my workplace in a way that's honoring to my boss. Don't expect me to, to not be harsh to my wife, Lord, because you don't under, under, still be loving towards Lord, don't expect me to forgive the pain is so deep I cannot forgive the Lord is gracious and compassionate he can lead you through that pain to the place of forgiveness and clothe you if you reach out to him so this morning we're all going to reach out and the Holy Spirit is going to minister to every heart I believe so let's close our eyes and pray together well Jesus I pray for my friends this morning thank you that the message from heaven to us is that you have a different reality for us and how we should be dressed and walk in this world. Just like the father came running to the lost son and clothed him in the best robe. He said, find the best, not second best or the the, the one that you can find the easiest. He says, find the best and clothe my son in the best. Lord, that is your heart towards us. That is your heart towards every single individual. And this morning, Father, I believe you're speaking to some of us and saying, I want to clothe you in the best. I want to clothe you in the robes of righteousness, of right standing with God, of coming into a place where your relationship with God is absolutely beautiful, adorned, dressed up with the most beautiful things. So Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that wants to accept this free gift, this free gift of salvation to say, Lord Jesus Christ, take my life and clothe me with the best, Lord, that you would minister to their hearts. If that is you this morning, simply say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Come and clothe me. Help me to put off the old self and make me new. I want to be a new creation where the old things in my life has gone and the new has come. Just pray that prayer. If you're with someone, reach out to them and say, pray this prayer with me. I want my life to change. I want to be concealed and covered in the beautiful, image and identity that Jesus has for me thank you Lord Jesus that you are ministering to hearts Lord I pray for all of us all of us fall short and make mistakes all of us find our human flesh to somehow run away with us at times and we battle with with all these things we battle to find a perfect way of life Lord in all our relationships be it with people who are different to us or be it with our own families So I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, will you by your grace come and reveal if there's any way that we have stained our garments of righteousness, our clothes that you've put upon us with wrongdoing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction. So what you do, it's a gift. It's a gift when you come and you show us a better way. It's a gift when you come and say, my son, my daughter, here's something I want you to see so that you can come again and wash us clean. And we can live in the way everlasting. So I pray Holy Spirit minister to us. Not just now but even beyond this moment as we depart from one another. Maybe Lord as we speak to one another in our homes today. I pray that you would reveal to us if there is any wicked way in us. So that we can represent our King and His kingdom well. By being clothed in the beautiful holy perfection as God's chosen ones. How you see us. And we ask this by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, uh, if you found this to be quite an intermittent morning, we will upload the full version within a couple of hours' time for you to go and look at. And if you are together and still with us online, I want you to take a moment and share with one another where the Lord has revealed to you where you ought to dress right, put off, and put on the things of Christ Jesus. Be blessed. I'm going to hand it back to Ricky. And I pray that you have an awesome week. Thanks, Rick.